Hello, and welcome to Unbabbled, a podcast that navigates the world of special education, communication delays, and learning differences. We are your hosts, Stephanie Landis and Meredith Crummel, and we're certified speech-language pathologists who spend our days at the parish school in Houston, helping children find their voices and connect with the world around them. You may have heard it said, your sibling is your first friend, or a sibling is a built-in best friend. And while these common sayings can be true, sibling relationships are often complex and messy, swinging from loving, supportive, and cooperative to jealous and fighting, and then back again. Add into the mix a child with neurodiversity or complex medical needs, and the relationships can get even more complicated. In today's episode, we hear how one mom of three supports her children and their unique relationships. Katie Higgins is a mother of three and co-owner of Vintage Hope Boutique in Richmond, Texas. She has twin daughters and a son who has been diagnosed with epilepsy and autism. During the episode, Katie discusses her son's journey to a diagnosis, the dynamic between her twins and their brother, the steps she's taken to support her children, such as setting up special mother-daughter time for the girls, and how they navigate the emotions and changing relationships that come with having a neurodiverse sibling. Throughout the episode, Katie's honesty, love for her children, and authenticity shine through. Her story will leave caregivers feeling both seen and hopeful. Welcome to our first episode of Unbabbled for this new season. We're so excited to have Katie Higgins on. We're talking about siblings, sibling dynamics, sibling relationships, and how you bring the siblings and build that relationship together. Talking about siblings is hard enough, and then when you throw in some neurodiversity or difficulties, then it's a whole new ballgame. So Katie, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm absolutely honored to be here. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about your family? Sure. Yes. Okay. So um, my husband and I, Stephen, have been married for 14 years and our son, Michael, he is going to be 10 years old next week. And he is our super special kiddo. He, um, I've said before, like he completely changed my life when he was born, but then when he was diagnosed, my life completely changed forever. The way I see the world, the way I see people, he changed, he changed everything for me. He has autism and epilepsy. And then shortly after Michael, um, we had identical twin girls. They were born when he was about 21 months old and they are, their names are Mary and Maggie and they just turned eight years old and they, you know, I was so, I was like, oh my goodness, I cannot, how am I ever going to handle twins with a special needs kiddo? And I know now that they, they were exactly what he needed, but but yes, it has definitely made all of it very, very interesting. (laughs) So how old was he when he was diagnosed? Did you already know at the time when he was 21 months old? We did not. Michael's first delays were at 18 months old at his 18 month well check. His speech started to decline at that appointment. Like, or that's the first time we ever started seeing anything on his milestones start dropping off. So I was pregnant at that time and on bed rest. He wasn't diagnosed until he was three. We got him into speech therapy right away, right at like two years old after I'd had the girls. But then when speech therapy wasn't progressing as quickly as we'd hoped, it became apparent that we needed more evaluations. And then he was diagnosed with autism at three. And when did you figure out the epilepsy? The epilepsy didn't come for a couple more years. As I got to know other special needs moms, they were all very, um, 
you know, you need to see a neurologist, you know, that like go get checked that get that checked out. So we um, went to a neurologist that was, we were referred to and in hearing Michael's medical history, our neurologist suggested doing an EEG. And I remember thinking, why he's never had a seizure. Well, come to find out he was having on a 60 minute EEG, he had seizure activity the entire time, a sub subclinical seizure activity the entire time. What our neurologist said was he said, if Katie, if I didn't have the video to go along with this EEG, I would tell you this child was having grand mal seizures for 60 solid minutes. And so there was major stuff going on with him. And we immediately started treatment and saw significant improvement in his speech um, due to the anticonvulsants. And then within a year or two, he then started having clinical seizures. So um, he has these types of seizures where he just drops. He'll just all of a sudden kind of pass out, have a seizure and just drop. And, um, but right now they're managed though. He has not had a seizure in over a year. So that's been really, really great. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah. yeah. You had mentioned that the girls were exactly what Michael needed. Um, can yes. you talk a little bit more about what you meant by that? Sure. They, you know, at the beginning, I just thought, oh my gosh, I have three kids under the age of two. What the heck? I can't do any of this. And believe me, it was hard. <laughs> um, and it still is. It still is hard. But they, they are his biggest advocates. And that's saying something because I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty in their mom. <laughs> they are his biggest advocates. They're his biggest cheerleaders. They also are, you know, we've got one of the things we've really had to deal with recently is that they don't, have to be his mom, you know, but they are so protective of him and they take that responsibility very seriously that when I'm not there or my husband's not there, that they are our eyes and ears. And that is an amazing thing for me and for my husband, because Michael was nonverbal till he was three and he still struggles to communicate with us. And so having them who communicate excessively having them be able to be our eyes and ears in certain situations is great, but that also puts a whole lot of um, responsibility on them as eight-year-olds that we don't want them to have to have, you know, we're learning those boundaries and those areas where we need to protect the girls as well from, from taking on too much responsibility, but more than anything else, they are, they are his cheerleaders. They're his advocates. They watch out for him when, you know, on the playground, if I can't be there in all those little, you know, I'm trying not to be a helicopter mom, you know, they are on the playground and they can help out with stuff. And they also, they, you know, they can, they also challenge him so much because you better believe they aren't going to, when they want to play, they don't give up, you know, they're like, you will play with me, you know, and Michael has always been real. He enjoys he enjoys his sisters and he's comfortable with them and safe with them. But like, yeah, they're not going to let you just sit back, you know? So they've been amazing for him to challenge him and support him. With them being younger, at what age did they start to notice that there were a little bit of differences between them and Michael? Um, I'd say it's probably first grade. Um, in kindergarten, they're just one grade apart. Um, so like, Michael, when he was in first, they were in kinder, they were at, they were at the same school up until this year. And, um, they probably when they were in first grade is when they started realizing like the dynamic at school was different for him than it was for them. And we had an incident 
in an incident's even too big of a word where um there was just some maybe some teasing i i don't want to use the word bullying because that's such a big word but just some some stuff going on like in the lunchroom or in the um car rider line like before and after you know like as they'd be waiting for school to start after being dropped off and mary and maggie recognized that michael was maybe being teased a little bit and i think that's when they started realizing we've got to watch out for our brother um he doesn't understand these things that are going on he doesn't understand all the social cues all the social things going on around him and we do and so that was that was hard and i that was really hard as a parent really kind of grieving um that my baby girls and their big brother really and truly those roles were very much reversed because while they were the younger sisters they're very much his protectors you know and so there is there is a a a bit of a dynamic where they are really the older they're it's almost that they're the bigger siblings than he is um even though he is he looks like a 13 year old and they look like eight year olds um they really are the big kids in a lot of ways and so that that was that was hard it was hard for them and it was hard for us we had to really grieve that did you ever sit down and discuss any of the diagnoses with them Yes, we did. Um, Our school at the time was always incredible. Um, Michael was in the um, PPCD program, um, which is um, preschool programs for children with disabilities. And he was in there from the time he was three. And so he he had a reputation at his school that everyone loves him. He was a great kid. um, And the school was amazing with him, amazing and really embraced autism and diversity and um, all that kind of good stuff. And so actually when the girls were kindergartners, um, for, uh, lighted up blue, um, like for world autism, autism awareness day, Michael actually went to their class. And cause we've always been really open with Michael too, that, you know, Hey, Michael, you have autism and this is just a part of you. And, um, you know, recently it's become more difficult as he's realized the, that some of his struggles are, he, he's made that connection now that, his struggles are often due to autism. So that's been different. But when he was little, you know, we really just tried to make it like, this is, this is a part of you. Yes, but you're amazing and meant to be celebrated. And so we made, you know, autism awareness was a big deal in our house. We all wear blue, all that kind of stuff. And the school did too. And, um, Michael went to Mary Maggie's kindergarten class and he, you know, I was with him and I, you know, they asked questions about autism and, Mary and Maggie, you know, it's more like he was a little celebrity as opposed to a child with a disability. We started talking about it from an early age. And then later, as they started like first grade, when things, when they realized that their brother struggled and that he needed help sometimes, that's when they started asking questions. And um, we always answered them honestly on their level, but honestly, later it became more difficult. Um, with Michael's epilepsy, for example, I'll never forget. We had to cancel a play date because of a seizure and they both came up to me and they said, mommy, we don't like Michael's epilepsy. We always have to change the plans. We, we want to go see our friends and we can't. And we just had a really honest conversation. And, you know, and I, I told them that day, I said, y'all, I hate epilepsy too. 
this and your brother does too. And so letting, working really hard always to be a safe and honest place for them to say, this, this is not so fun (laughs) to put it nicely. (laughs) And, um, because, you know, they need to feel that too, you know, that, that, yeah, this, this isn't fair that, you know, you have to change a lot of your plans in your day around your brother's, your brother's diagnosis. Um, and then now Michael's biggest stem is scripting and it is all the time, 24 <laughs> seven. We work really hard on it and, um, work with his therapist to, you know, have scripting time and when it's appropriate and all that kind of good stuff. But the girls hate it. Sometimes I just laugh because I have to, but because I'll hear them and they'll be, Michael, you have got to stop scripting. It is just so annoying. And I cannot listen to it anymore today to them. He is just their annoying to nine-year-old brother. And whether it is scripting or whether it is, you know, whatever else nine-year-old boys do, you know, I don't know, like (laughs) they, it's just annoying. And he, you know, okay. Or he'll tell them sometimes, no, I have to finish. And because it'll be like a scene that he's, he's doing and he'll say, no, I have to finish. So yes, all that to answer your question that yes, we do talk to them about his diagnoses and also what he's working on in therapy and what he's struggling with and what he's doing well with, which they often can see, you know, they're really good at, I mean, just the other day, actually at a, at dinner, um, he was doing really good with just going back and forth in conversation and asking them questions and responding and all that and staying on topic. And they were like, Michael, you've never done this before. This is awesome. So we try to really be honest and keep all of them in the loop with what's going on. You mentioned that it was uh, like the play date example is really hard for the girls to have to change their plans, but have you seen, um, jealousy, towards Michael and the attention he gets with his services or needs? Yes, 100%. Um, Actually, this over the summer, we started specifically doing a little um, time called Mommy Monday with Mary and Maggie, where they each had one hour with just me, not and not the both of them. It was Mary and mommy, Maggie and mommy, because um, we actually Mary and Maggie are in therapy as well. They're in play therapy. They have a lot of anxiety. Michael eloped a lot as a child, as a young child, he eloped a lot and they have a lot of anxiety from that. Um, and as well as other things in our lives. And so in therapy, it came out that they have some resentment towards their brother and some very valid feelings that are very normal for siblings. And so one of the things we started after kind of learning about that was this mommy Monday where It was just one-on-one time with them and me because Michael gets tons of one-on-one time with just me. And he always has. It was just what needed to happen. He often takes priority because he just has more needs. And um, so that was something we did to start to to try to meet them there and and recognize, yeah, your brother needs a lot of help and that's not going to change. But here's something I can do. Um, and we actually, we aren't doing it right now because of the school year. And just this weekend, my girls were like, mommy, I need some kind of mommy Monday. My girls are real into fairy gardens right now. And so we went and we got all these adorable little fairy garden things. And we came home and we had this old bird bath and we made this whole super fun, this adorable fairy garden all together, just the three of us. And 
just some something so I mean at the end of the day that took 45 minutes you know and like we got to go shopping together and then do this activity and so like you know I'm trying to now get it in where I can even though we don't have that same Monday schedule with the summer you know did you notice a difference huge absolutely huge. they had started acting out a lot of tantrums and um attitude and things like that and when we started the mommy monday it took them a little while they for them to trust me that it was going to happen you know but it took a few mondays of them oh wow she's really going to do this you know it really is this is on her calendar just the same way michael's therapy is and they it really did it calmed their their that those behaviors went away pretty quickly i mean they're still they're still kids so they're still there don't get me wrong my kids are they're still kids. They still have tam- t- they still have tantrums all the time, but um, the severity and the frequency did go down. So you work and you yes. have three kids. How do mm-hmm. you fit that into your schedule? Oh my gosh! Well, thankfully, I work for myself, um, and I um, have a business partner, and she actually is also a special needs mom, and so I am never at a loss for like gratefulness that we understand that for each other that like this is just something that has to happen we've got to be able to you know yes we'll get it we've got responsibilities and we'll get our work done all that kind of stuff but um we've got to be able to meet meet these needs for our kids and it's often not on a just easy perfect schedule so I I'm very thankful for that that I have that flexibility and that understanding from my business partner very intentional about carving out that time and blocking it into your schedule. I've gotten a lot better. I used to not be. It definitely um, was something that I realized over the years, like, oh, dang it. If I don't make this really intentional, it is not going to happen because I'm tired. You know, like, like all of us, we're all exhausted. We're all living in a pandemic, but then man, you throw in special needs and it's like, uh, we're all just keeping our heads above water, you know? And so um, I was not intentional at the beginning, but I've learned I have to be. And I imagine that took, that took time. I imagine getting the girls, you know, some support outside of the home was super helpful yes. as well, because these, these are big things. They're hard for adults to process. And then, you know, having little kids at home, needing a way oh, to, to my express gosh. that. Yes. I, I, of course, you know, never going to tell anyone what to do, but I cannot say enough good things about how I- impactful it was to get my daughter's help, um, to give them that support um, for them to be able to share about these things that they didn't, they didn't. And we have a pretty open relationship and my girls are pretty comfortable asking me a lot of questions and telling me when they're upset or, or even if Michael's making them upset, but they needed, they needed the support of a trusted therapist and they, they do play therapy. And it has been uh, some of the things that they've been able now to articulate to me, some of their fears that they have for their brother those were huge fears that they were carrying around as little, I mean, they just turned eight. And so for them to be able to be in a safe place and then be able to articulate those fears and then share them with me as well was huge. And then we were able to talk about them and, and I'll just share this, this one, one of them was that they were worried that one day if Michael maybe had some behaviors when he's older, if he would get arrested and if a what if a policeman didn't understand what he was doing or what if Michael started scripting because he's scared and the policeman thought he was disrespecting them I mean those are 
I was blown away when they shared that with me. And my one daughter, Maggie, she had been carrying that around for at least a year. And we were able to then talk and I was able to tell her how we did have one time where Michael called 911 because he was curious and how the police officer was so understanding and how he pulled us aside and said, does your son have autism? You know, he was trained, he was compassionate. And so we were able to then have that conversation with Maggie and she was able to finally let go of that fear. And we wouldn't, I don't think we would have ever had that conversation or maybe we would have, it would have just been way later that because she, she was in that environment where she felt safe that she could, and also where she could process, you know, cause it takes time to, like you said, it's hard for even adults to process these big things, much less a seven-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely an adult. I know many adults that have similar, similar fears. That's an yeah. adult fear for a loved one. That's, that's heavy. Yeah. But it's amazing that they've gotten to a place and you've recognized that, that they need the space to, to be able to say like, I'm frustrated about this. I'm jealous. I and can hold space for their negative feelings. Sometimes right. even with neurotypical siblings, you almost want to force like everybody loves their brother. Everybody loves their sister. Yeah. No, you can't be mad at them. They're your brother. Right. You them. Like say you love them. And yeah. so I can imagine that the, the temptation is there to try and force the positive feelings, but that would only kind of backfire and yes. allowing to have space for the like, yeah, this, this does suck for like, it, it, yeah, well, that's what I was going to say earlier. You know? that, yeah, this does suck. It's not, it is not fair, you know? And yeah. Since you're in a unique spot, you have the twins and your son. Yes. And do you notice that they have different relationship between each other and then with their brother? I mean, I know twins have their own unique relationship anyway. Right. Um, yes, for sure. I mean, for sure. My, my girls have, um, a very close relationship, identical. I'm learning, especially as they get older that, oh, wow. Identical twin girls that that's a whole other deal. Um, but with their brother, it is, it is different. Definitely. Um, they play with him so well, they all three really, and truly they do get along really well. They can, I mean, they fight like cats and dogs, but like, they, they really do get along, but yes, it is different. It's a different relationship, but I don't, I don't know if that's more of a twin thing or if that's more of an autism thing. So I don't know if I can speak to that exactly as well as if they weren't twins. Earlier, you mentioned that you guys are learning um, how to set some boundaries on being a parent or being a sibling. Have you guys, um, for the girls specifically, have you found anything that has worked or are there ways that you're talking to the girls about it that have been beneficial or helpful that you could share with families who might be trying to do the same thing? Helping them understand that they, oh, they don't have yes. to be responsible. Okay, so even just recently this happened. Um, Michael loves the show Baby uh, Boss Baby. Um, and he's been watching the show on Netflix and the scripting has gotten out of control. And there's been a little, there's a couple of topics in it that we just thought were, they're by no means inappropriate because it is a kid's show, but it was just maybe a storyline that we weren't thrilled with, or maybe some, there was some attitude in there that we didn't, we didn't want our kids copying while well, Michael was scripting it a ton. And so we said, okay, okay, bud, Boss Baby's off limits. Like you can watch the movies, but you cannot watch the show Boss Baby. He was so mad. Well, the first thing out of Maggie's mouth was, and I love her for this, but it was also like, my sweet girl, you're eight years old. Um, 
she said, mommy, don't worry when we're at grandma's house or at Lolly's house. So both grandparents, I will make sure that Michael does not watch boss baby. And I literally, my reaction to her was, oh my goodness, my sweet girl, I love you so much. And I love that you want to help me. I said, but I will tell grandma and I will tell Lolly because you don't need to worry about that. You just worry about you and having fun. And so then we told both parents, both sets of grandparents, like, Hey, he's not allowed to watch boss baby. And then we also told them what Mary and Maggie had said about they're going to watch out for him. And so then at their sleepover over the weekend, Maggie said, grandma, Michael cannot watch boss baby. And she said, honey, your mommy told me, and I will handle that. You don't need to. And so just really like open communication with everyone involved to help verbalize to the girls, like, Hey, we want you to just be eight years old. And, you know, so did just, I mean, now is it perfect? No. Did she still tattle? Yes. But, um, or at least trying to communicate it to her and to, well, to both of them that you don't have to do this. You, you don't have to, um, but it's hard. Cause they, you know, at, at two years old, he was eloping and they, I mean, there were times I, I'll never forget. There's two or three that are burned into my head and, you know, they did, they had to grow up. We had to do training when he was an ABA with them for what to do when he eloped. If I had to go run into a parking lot and leave them in a store and they, they were trained for that. You know, we literally did training for them to handle that. And so they did, they had to grow up and they watched things they shouldn't have to watch. Um, Michael had an aggressive phase. Um, and so now we're kind of trying to, you know, adjust that. I mean, thank God, every time it happened, there was always an adult around that would just come up to me. I'll never forget one lady. She was a perfect stranger. And she came up to me and she said, look at me, you can trust me. I'm going to stay here with your girls. And I ran into the parking lot after Michael because he was gone. And, um, so thankfully there was always someone around, but they, you know, they knew they, they had to go through a lot. So it's, we're, we're working on correcting that now and putting new, new things in place where they, at least we're trying to communicate it to them that they don't have to be the mom. That's really tough though. It is hard. Yeah, it is hard because they, they do worry. I'm sure for him yes. and want to help him. It's not that they necessarily feel obligated. They probably want to, but they're eight. They need to be eight. So that's quite right. a balance you're trying to, to strike there. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to go um, any more time without talking about the book that yes. has come out. Um, You're a superhero too, right? Yes. Yes. Can, can you tell us a little bit about how that idea came and, and a little bit about the book? Sure. So my, a friend of mine, Brittany Blackburn is who um, wrote this book. Um, and she reached out to, we, we knew each other, um, knew each other from just moms, uh, just moms in the same neighborhood, same area. Um, but we both had special needs kids or well, when my son, Michael was diagnosed, she reached out to me and was a, a very big lifeline for me of, um, Hey, been here, you know, I know what I'm doing. Ask me all the questions. And, um, she, so when she finished this book, she reached out to me and said, Hey, can I send you a copy? And when she told me all about it, I just was like, I was blown away because Brittany has a way her heart is just so authentic 
and she captured this sibling relationship the good feelings and the tough feelings so well that I was just super excited to um help out in any way I could so as soon as um so when she said can I send you a copy I said oh my gosh yes you know have you read the book with your family yes so this was really cool when it came in the mail um you know it says you're a superhero too well I opened it and I I said hey y'all come look at this and they glanced at it and they said oh is that a book for Michael because they're so used to that kind of a conversation about Michael and I said girls no this book's for you and they both were like wait what I mean that was literally their reaction was like this is a book about me and um so we we immediately sat down and read it and oh man it for a mom it um it 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 hit me in my I mean my heart was just bursting the whole time reading it um like I said the way Brittany captured the 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 amazing things but the really tough things too in a in a way that mary and maggie could like process it was incredible yeah it's a it's a beautiful book she did a really great job of capturing that that dynamic yeah you've said that the kids kind of flipped roles and it seems like they're the older and he's the younger sibling as they do get older, do you guys have any plans set in place of like what that might look like in the future? Yes. So actually this year we um, put them at different schools. My, well, last year I homeschooled all three of them due to COVID. Um, that was special. <laughs> um, so, but what that did is it really also made it apparent how much the girls need their own space. So Michael is at a new school this year that is, that is great for him. By no means did we just move him for the heck of it. Um, this kind of all just happened and it happened pretty perfectly. Um, the right school came available for Michael. And so he is there. And then Mary and Maggie are also at a new school this year. And it has been, it was really interesting. Mary and Maggie were really scared at first that they weren't going to be at school with Michael, like, but mom, what are we going to do? What happens if something happens and we're not there? And, you know, we just talked to them about it and said, you know, his new school is, is a lot smaller and it's exactly what he needs. And, you know, he is going to be safe and taken care of, but you don't need to worry about that. You need to worry about your school. And each week as they've settled in, it has been the most amazing thing to see them blossom in their own environment that is theirs it's not their brothers um every teacher doesn't know their brother um they are not referred to as michael's sisters they are just mary and maggie and i know that that's not something that every kid every family could do like be able to just put their kids at different schools or anything like that but i think for us finding a way for mary and maggie to have something that was just theirs I think going forward, especially as they continue to get older, looks like it's, we're on the right track because it's just already made such a difference in them in just about four weeks. So I imagine we'll continue with those kinds of things, having them do their own things in their own spaces. Yeah, I've mentioned this before on the podcast. My brother-in-law has cerebral palsy. Okay. And so he's uh, he, just when he was, he was 
two, uh, two weeks old, ended up getting like meningitis. So he's always lived with my in-laws. And yeah. so my husband is the middle child, but has always acted like the older child. And then sure. a younger brother too. And watching the sibling dynamics as an in-law from kind of the outside of it, but yeah. the inside of it, it's, it's always interesting to see your in-laws dynamics, but having sure. added piece yes. of him living at home and even now from listening to their stories from childhood and now growing up into adulthood, that it's just, it's an, it's an interesting dynamic. And there have been a lot of really wonderful things that I've watched my in-laws do to be uh, very thoughtful and purposeful and trying to, you know, like keep that going. And then other things that like you just can't plan for in life that just pop up and you have to, to go with them that are, that are tricky as life continues to go on, that they, jump new hurdles through each age gap that the kids hit from yeah. everybody being in high school to then like the other siblings getting married and now suddenly there's other people and then now we've both had kids <laughs> and just the dynamics they just keep twisting and it's 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 always interesting to watch and process how even my husband looks at things differently than my than his younger brother and sure but yeah um, I love that you you hold space for them to be able to say, even at a young age, like, yeah, this isn't fair. This is frustrating without them feeling like they're saying something negative against the, Michael. Against him. Right. Yeah, him right. personally. That they can objectively say this situation is hard, but we still like love him. Yes, yes. I... <laughs> that, that was just really an accident. I don't know how we happen to do things that way. And I'm just really grateful, um, that that has been the way we've communicated it. Um, because yeah, that didn't, that I wouldn't have known how to do that. I just, gosh, her face. I remember I'll never forget their faces, you know? And it was like, how could I not agree with them that this was hard, (laughs) you know? So yeah, we're, I'm, I'm thankful I've, as I've seen it play out over the past couple of years, I am very grateful that they know that they can express those feelings and that they, and that it is exactly like you said, it's, it's separate. They, the situation is terrible sometimes, but their brother, they love their brother, you know? I mean, heck, I have to look at it that way. I love my son, but there are days the autism, I don't love the autism, you know? So I, I mean, I have to be objective about that too, you know? And I think, and maybe I'm speaking for myself, I think every parent goes through that. They're like, sure. My mom used to tell me like, I love you, but I don't like you right now. <laughs> exactly. Like, like I love you, but, this but I don't like- you just made, not yeah. so good. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't like this specific situation. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I think I agree. I mean, yes, with Michael, with his autism, with Mary and Maggie and their sass. Yes, I would agree. <laughs> and I think that's great. I think that's a great piece of advice to all parents is to be able to separate those feelings of frustration within the moment or the season of life with their feelings of of their children or even yes feeling like you're a bad parent or something right you're having these frustrations oh definitely I I I have a lot of really good friends that are special needs moms too and I know that that is a that's a tough feeling that like feeling like a bad quote-unquote bad mom because I am really frustrated with this situation but the kid, I mean, my goodness, he's my heart. He's everything, you know? So you've given such great, open, honest 
responses and relatable feedback and yeah. even if the you know coming about some of this was accidental I think that's so relatable that like most of what parents are going through is they're just like figuring it out one step yes. at a time yeah. like, one oh, step at a time <laughs> yeah yes yeah one minute at a time often so yeah yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, at the end of every podcast, we ask our guests the same question and we ask them, and if you had one piece of advice to give to other parents, caregivers, or like therapists, and it can be specifically on this topic, or it can be whatever you really want people to know about. Sure. If you had one piece of advice, what would you give? Trust your instinct as a parent, trust your instincts, especially if you're at the beginning of this, um, newly diagnosed, um, about to be diagnosed in the evaluation progress process, trust your instincts. Um, with Michael, I knew, I knew, I knew the autism diagnosis wasn't the last piece. It wasn't, it just was always just something wasn't right. And then we, when we got the epilepsy diagnosis and the, all of the information that came with that, I, it was one of those moments like, okay, I fought for this. And cause there's a lot more to that story, but I fought for it. You know, I didn't, I didn't stop. You know, I was led to question, you know, ask about neurologists and what else, what else, what else? Because I knew we were missing something even though other people told me I was being naive. And so just trust your instincts. And then um, as you said, therapists, those kinds of things be kind, you know, so kind with these moms and dads who are there you know, and now I have been lucky. I've, I have had the greatest therapists and the greatest teachers, but my heart was so fragile for so long. It still is. And I'd say, so trust your instincts and then just kindness goes a long way. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time. Oh my gosh. I'm honored. Thank you so much for asking me. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Unbabbled Podcast. For more information on today's episode, please see our episode description. For more information on the Parish School, visit parishschool.org. If you're not already, don't forget to subscribe to the Unbabbled Podcast on your app of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, be sure to leave a rating and review. A special thank you to Stig Daniels, Amanda Arnold, and Stella Limwell for all their hard work behind the scenes. Thanks again for listening.